You're listening to the One Pridecast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the One Pridecast. I'm Tori Petri, joined by Mike O'Hara. Mike, this was a crazy game this week, and we have a lot to talk about. Uh, absolutely. I think we'll be talking about that one for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Well, I mean, let's dive right into it because, I mean, we just have so much to get to. Take me into that final minute of the game and, and what you thought of what the Lions were able to put together. Well, let's start with the final minute and five, a minute and four, when <laughs> Todd Gurley of the Atlanta Falcons scores what turns out to be, I've never, I've never said this or written this before this week, turns out he scores the game-losing touchdown. <laughs> it's yeah. just, come on, you can't make this stuff up. You know, it's like having four aces at poker or something like that and throwing them away. But uh, then, the, you know, it, it's a break for the Lions. You all know what happened. He kind of stumbled at the last step there and went over the goal line. Instead of clinching a win with a field goal, they get a touchdown and end up losing. But the other part of it is Detroit Lions had to do something to win the game, too. And what better to do than start at the 25 with a minute and four left in the ball in Matthew Stafford's hands? And he just does what he does. That's his 30th comeback uh, victory in, 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 in the fourth quarter overtime. And it was, and some of the catches were borderline spectacular. Some of them were just routine on what we've come to expect from Matthew Stafford. But it was really, for the Detroit Lions, it was a game that really probably meant as much to them as any win they've had this season because it gave them two straight. It got them to 500. And now they're at home this Sunday, of course, to play the Indianapolis Colts. So, you know, there's something, you know, Tori, about maybe it's psychological, but really it's mathematical. There's something about being at 500 with 10 games to go because you're in the race. You're legitimately in the playoff race. Absolutely. They're definitely at a much different place in their season after this week than they were at the bye week. Things just look a whole lot different. And, Mike, I know that you enjoy watching Matthew Stafford. I want to hear from you about what you thought seeing that final drive from him. I mean, he struggled in a couple of the first games of this season, but we really saw what TJ Lang called vintage Matthew Stafford on Sunday. Uh, well, it was vintage Matthew Stafford, and what you saw was a guy who's completely in charge, and and that could have been the first drive of the game. It could have been it could have been uh, training camp. It could have been Wednesday's practice. It could have been whatever. He, it was just like the elements around him had absolutely no effect on him whatsoever. I asked uh, the head coach Matt Patricia about that this week in one of our one of our interviews, and just to ask him that he's done it so well for so long that don't the players go out there expecting, not hoping that he's going to take them the distance to win, but expecting it. He says, absolutely. He's just completely dialed into this. When you see that, there's no, you know, look, look, sometimes there's a sense of urgency, yelling to get guys in position, all that, but, but he's the coolest guy out there and, and it rubs off on his teammates. They know if they get open, they'll get the ball. And which is pretty much true all the time, but, but you get open, you'll get the ball. doesn't matter who you are, whether it's TJ Hawkinson in his second year, uh, Kenny Galladay in his first year as a rookie three years ago in the fourth quarter against the Cardinals. Get open, be ready, the ball's coming to you. And there it was again. Yeah, and really, if DeAndre Swift had caught that pass in the first game of yep. the season, it would have been the same story in that game against the Bears. Well, and it's not just, it's not just the end game either. Look, let's, let's go back to the drives that he's engineered at the end of the first half 
on the last play of the half to get a, a field goal or, or whatever to get the Lions points. He did it. He did it Sunday in in Atlanta. He did it against uh, in in week three when they beat uh, beat the Arizona Cardinals. They got a field goal at the end of the end of the first half. Those points count. They add up just as much as the ones at, at the end of the at the end of the game. And he's he's and absolutely he's the master at that. Now, I'm not going to say he's the best of all time. Or anything like that, but he certainly <laughs> can't argue with his record. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely exciting to watch in that fourth quarter on Sunday, and I loved hearing from him after the game. He was just genuinely amped up, and yep. I think that we've we've heard from him a few times this season. Uh, he's felt, uh, you know, maybe hasn't had the the same excitement after games, obviously with the struggles that the Lions have had. But you could tell he was genuinely enjoying his job on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's one other thing too, and I think this is not just it doesn't apply just to Matthew Stafford, but I just kind of reflecting on it this week when looking back at that game and thinking about some of the others at the start of the season. And I think this is not uh, only applicable to the Detroit Lions, but I think the National Football League as a whole is playing faster right now. Look, we, we, everybody knows about the you know no off-season workouts, no OTAs, and all that stuff, and, and really a short and really reduce training camp, no preseason games. I think people have changed their opinion now on whether they need those or not. They might not need four, but they need some. But the game's gotten faster. And part of that, I think, is because players, look, how many players went out in the first couple of weeks with hamstring injuries, you know, soft tissue injuries like that? Yeah. Uh, look, look at what the Detroit Lions, they lost. They didn't have one of their starting cornerbacks, Jeff Okuda, for the, for the opening game, and two others went out during that game. You know, Justin Coleman, who hasn't been back yet as of, you know, for the first six games, has not been back. Uh, Desmond Trufant made sort of a cameo appearance after going out in the opener. And so, but I think, by and large, I think rosters throughout the National Football League, and I'm not talking about, you know, the sort of catastrophic injuries like the one to Dak Prescott, but just the, you know, the soreness and all that. Right. And I, think, I, think guys are, I think guys are fit now. I think they're in, in football shape. Uh, and I think you're seeing the game play faster. I think you're seeing it play tougher and harder and smarter. And the people can convert now. The players can convert what they've done in the practice field to the playing field. And it makes a big difference. You know, Tori, even the late hits look better. Yeah, yeah, definitely the play has improved since the first game of the season. Um, we've talked a lot about the final quarter of this game, but there was obviously a lot more to it than just that. So what were your general takeaways about what we saw from this team in, in the rest of the game and not just in that final drive? Well, if we go back to a week ago when we when we recorded last week's uh, podcast, I expected a, really a, a decisive win for the Lions. I thought they'd win something like or exactly like I should say 38-21 well yeah they didn't quite get the 38 but <laughs> but my my thought was that you know they made what really kind of got lost was was some big defensive plays one of those That's obviously true. was was the sack fumble and recovery sack fumble by uh, by Romeo Oquara and a recovery by Trey Flowers but before that there was a fourth and five at the Lions inside the 20 I think it was a 13 yard line and Matt Ryan's looking for uh Edo Smith over to the left, his left, his offensive left, defensive right, and Trey Flowers, 6'5", 265 pounds, uh, looked like an oversized, strong safety, got over there, <laughs> got up, leaped, and batted the ball away on, on that fourth and five, 
to save what probably would have been a touchdown because you could see the reaction by Matt Ryan. He really thought he had something there. I don't know if he expected expected uh, Trey to be there to make that play, but that was a great, great little play. Now, does it sound like a lot? The guy gets his fingertips on a ball? Uh, no, nah, not really, but in the, in the really in, in the impact on the game itself, it really was a terrific play. And right there, Tori, I think you see as a combination of a veteran player who who is prepares himself physically, prepares himself mentally, and is able to marry the ball, marry the two of those on game day. I keep saying this to take what he, what he did on the practice field and in the video room onto the playing field. That was just a great, great clutch play. Yeah, I don't think we've talked about that play enough or really the role that the defense had in this game. They held an explosive Atlanta offense to just 22 points. One of those touchdowns being an accidental touchdown, like you yeah. mentioned, from Todd Gurley. So the defense really did a better job this week, in my opinion. And one of the things that they improved on was getting after the passer. We talked about that a little bit this week, but they have continuously improved in that area. Maybe it's not showing up quite as much yet in sacks, but they are getting pressure. Yeah, they're getting more pressure. But this, this is one thing I think we ought to mention. We can't let the, let the defense off the hook completely because for that last possession by the Falcons, yeah, it was the accidental touchdown, but they were had really driven within range to, to kick a short field goal and win the game. So, you know, there was a little bit of there was some good play in there, and there was a little bit a little bit of good fortune too. In fact, a lot of good fortune Fair. for what Todd Gurley did. But look, that's when you look at the scoreboard, that three and three. There's no asterisk that says inappropriate play by the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> It's, it's 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 right there that's look you take them home any way you can yeah you definitely do and you know the defense definitely still has some room to improve but we're seeing incremental improvements as this season has gone on and they're definitely taking at least in that Atlanta game took a, a bit of a bend but don't break approach uh, when it came to the kind of defense that they're playing. I think we've seen some statistics of how they played a whole lot more man at the beginning of the season, but they've shifted to be playing significantly more zone as the season has gone on. And, and when you play zone, sometimes you do give up uh, some of those plays along the way. Well, I'll, when we get into the rating the zone versus man, I'll let people who know football talk about that. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll defer greatly, but I'll tell you one thing where, where there is absolutely no doubt where they've gotten better is defending the run. Yeah. Uh, after after their fourth game, which would be, I guess, week five, coming out of the bye, they were giving up 170.2 yards per game on the ground. Uh, they've given up 44 against in the win over Jacksonville and then 63 or 6 or whatever it was against the Atlanta Falcons. That's, let's just round it off and say 110 yards in one in two games compared to 170 in one game. That's, that's substantial improvement. Absolutely. I asked you this about a game before. I, I want to ask you again, which specific players stuck out to you from this game against Atlanta? Obviously, Matthew Stafford there at the end, but maybe who else stuck out? Well, Kenny Galladay for sure. You know, yeah. he had what, what six catches for 116 yards, and and I mentioned this on on, on another uh, another podcast or radio interview. I forget which it was, but I mentioned to the, to the host. I says, you know, when Kenny Galladay gets out of football, he's got a, a if he wants it, he's got a future as a Hollywood stuntman. I mean, you talk <laughs> about the, 
the midair flips and flaps and falls yeah. and takes, and he gets up and keeps right on going. I mean, maybe maybe a, a professional wrestler on the top strand or something like that. You know, Hulk Hogan. This, well, I guess he's not big enough for that, but but some of the stuff he does, look, he doesn't just win the game. Win the I shouldn't say just doesn't just doesn't win the play with speed. He wins the game with a lot of things. And, and look, he's not a burner, but he's fast enough. But those 50-50 balls. You know, it's like T.J. Hawkins. Right. It's more like 100% when it's when it's Kenny Galladay. Just some of the catches there, and he's so, uh, in big moments, he doesn't, you know, like I said, I'll go right back to his rookie year. He scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to help the Lions come from behind to beat the Cardinals. He, do, he doesn't shy away in big moments. This guy's really a terrific football player, and, and those hands of his. He had one reception last, last week against the Falcons. But really, you could see that the, the defensive back was about to close his hands on the ball, and, and Galladay just ripped it away from him. I thought I said to Tim Twain, I said, God, is that a fumble recovery or a catch? <laughs> you know, it was almost mid, change of possession in midair, but he just tore it away from him. He, you don't just win those because, by luck. You win those by you know preparation and desire and, and getting up there and doing it. This, they, they've really got themselves a ball player there. Yeah, Kenny has been so much fun to watch this season. You mentioned it. The Lions are at 500 now, 3-3 three and three headed home to take on the Colts. Are you buying that they've turned their season around yet, or do you still need to see more? Well, they've turned their season around, but the, but there's, you know, the, but there's, uh, you know, 10 weeks of road ahead of them, so we'll see what happens. You know, a lot of things can happen. You know, look, they were 3-3 three and three two years ago and lost three straight, never got back in the race. They were 3-3-1 three, three and one last year. Uh, Lost the quarterback in the was it the eighth game or the ninth game when Matthew Stafford went out for the season. They never won another game. So yeah, this is this is this is not a resting spot. It's not the plateau. It's just it's just the next stop on what what they want to do and where they want to be. And that's being a contender for the playoffs and ultimately being the postseason. This season, there are even more ways to get into the game thanks to Lions Bingo presented by BetMGM. Lion fans can play along for free all season long for the chance to win great prizes, including the grand prize each week of a weekend stay at an MGM Resorts location. Just download the Lions mobile app and register to play Lions Bingo each and every week. Play along during the game, and once you hit bingo, you score. Courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. Learn more and lock in your Lions Bingo board before kickoff by visiting the official Lions mobile app now. As we turn the page to this game against the Colts, what do you need to see from this Lions team on Sunday against Indianapolis to feel like they're headed in the right direction? Well, I think they are headed in the right direction. But look, first of all, I, I think I probably say this just about every other week. Just play well and everything will take care of itself. And you're, like, you're going to lose some games. Things happen in sports. But just play well. Keep playing well. You know, Tori, just just really quickly with some stats. It's amazing how 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 alike these two teams are, at least offensively. I'll just I'll go through these stats real quick. I don't want to bore people to death, but you know, the, but the Indianapolis Colts 363 yards per game, the Lions 354. Eh, big deal. 98 rushing versus 108 for the Lions. 265 passing for the Colts, 245 for the Lions. But we know that's changing. Okay, that's that's going the other way. Uh, it, it's it, it's just so close, you know. But now where it's different is the touchdown passes, fourteen for Stafford, uh, seven for uh, uh, for for uh, Philip Rivers. But the big difference is, and this is this is absolutely stunning, is defensively, one hundred and fifteen points allowed for the 
for for the Indianapolis Colts, 169 for the Lions. That's 54. That's nine nine points per game over six games. That's the difference. You're talking about one of the elite defenses in the league right now, ranked second overall, third overall in in in, in you know rushing the passer, or I'm sorry, in pass defense, passing yards allowed per game, rushing yards allowed per game, total yards per game. They're just right up there with everybody. The Lions, not so much. I mean, total yards allowed 288 versus 380 for the Lions. It's it's hard to make up those statistics, and it's it's hard to close that gap. So what you have to do is do it another way, and that is you know go with what 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 you do best, and that's your offense. Make adjustments, and 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 you know if you can outscore them, that's certainly not the strength of the of the Indianapolis Colts. Well, you outscore them, you win. Obviously, that's that speaks for <laughs> itself. But but I just think I just think that clearly the defensive edge goes to the Indianapolis Colts, and for good reason. Yeah, I would agree with that. I also think that this game will tell us a lot about where the Lions are at. Obviously, these last two games after the bye week against the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Atlanta Falcons were against teams that are struggling right now and aren't playing their best football. The Colts, on the other hand, have had some really good games this season and, like you said, have one of the best defenses in the league. So if the Lions can play well against the Indianapolis Colts, for me, that will tell me a lot about this team. No, absolutely, and I think also, I think Matthew Stafford's in a groove now, I really do. Now, you look at last week, you know, one touchdown pass and no interceptions, but the way he distributed the ball and, and got the team in position, I just thought he, I thought he was terrific, and not just on the last last possession. And really, you look at, at his his completion rate, <clears throat> excuse me, four of his, four or five of his incomplete passes were spikes to stop the clock, either at the end of the first, end of the first half or in the game-winning uh, drive to the 48-yard extra point. It's another one I've never seen in my life. I wonder what would have happened if they'd gotten a couple of holding penalties. <laughs> they have done that. A 68-yard extra point. Actually, I'm kind of a thrill-seeker. I'd like to have seen that just for my own. <laughs> <laughs> where did where did Matt Prater go? Oh, there he is. He's on the 58-yard line. Uh, What's he doing there? Yeah. That that kick was obviously a very interesting one, but oh, also and impressive by Prater. We all we have talked so much about Stafford's final minute of the game, but that extra point from Prater was pretty impressive, and obviously the reason the Lions won. Well, the old line, cool as the other side of the as cool as the other side of the pillow. Well, he certainly is. He doesn't show much emotion at all when he makes a big kick. He just kind of jogs off, and that's it. But. You know, he had to like that one. Look, you remember a couple years, was it two years ago, three years ago, the 58-yard field goal at the end of regulation in Minnesota? That's yeah. kind of what it reminded me of. It yeah. was just, and it was just just amazing the way he came through on, in, in the clutch. Again, and look, he, he'd missed some field goals before that. He'd missed three, but they were like 56, 58, 57 yards. Um, he, was, he was on his game uh, against the Falcons. When he's on, he's on. Another thing I wanted to touch on that won't be relevant for this week, but perhaps soon, is the report that the Detroit Lions traded for Everson Griffin with the Dallas Cowboys. This move isn't official yet, and even if it does become official, he won't be able to be in the building for a little bit because of all of the COVID protocols. Uh, Matt Patricia talked about it this week and the move that they made. Mike, you've talked about it on the podcast before, how you would like to see them kind of bring in someone else to help with that pass rush, and they did that here before the trade deadline. What did you think of that move? Well, I thought it was terrific. You know, there was a, a rumble out there that the 
Dallas Cowboys are going to start unloading some players because, you know, I don't can't say their season is over, but it's certainly, you know, certainly in tough shape, you know, with their record and their and their injuries, and, and they made them available, and Detroit Lions went right after them. And I thought it was a, a really good move. Now, whether is it a great move? I mean, we'll see. It depends on how he plays. But, you know, look at Everson Griffin, what he's – look, Matthew Stafford knows as much about him as anybody, unfortunately. Yeah. Because I think he had, what was it, 16 sacks on yep. Matthew in the, in the 10 years that they played the Vikings. But this is uh, – it's what he does. That's, that's his specialty, getting after the quarterback, and not just Matthew either. I think he's averaged something like 10 sacks per – Per uh, per season in his first the ten years in the National Football League, he's got two and a half down there in Dallas, playing on a team that's that's just just terrible. Now one of the worst defenses historically, probably in the history of that franchise, and he's got six quarterback uh, six quarterback pressure. So, you know, if you add another guy and get to the quarterback, it, it certainly opens up other opportunities, other avenues for the other guys. I mean, look, Romeo Lacroix's got four quarterback sacks already. What's to say that this isn't going to free him up to be even a bigger factor coming off the edge? I mean, he yeah. really is one of those guys who can get around the corner and get to the quarterback and if not get him and slap the ball out of his hands like he did Sunday uh, uh, to, to Matt Ryan. So I think I think it's a good move. The only thing you're risking is a little bit of money. And, and look, it's not my money. It's, it's, you know, Sheila Hamp, the principal owner. It's their money, the Detroit Lions franchise. But I just it just goes to show me that they're – certainly willing to invest whatever assets they have to improve the team. And in this case, the asset is money. And I think Matthew Stafford will be glad to have him on his team and not on the opposite <laughs> sideline. Well, I, I mean, probably if he didn't know about the deal, he saw him in the locker room. You know, wait a minute. We're out of bounds here. This is a late hit. <laughs> you haven't hit me since last December. <laughs> Or October, whatever it was. Late uh, uh, That's hilarious. Let's take it now to Mike's Pick of the Week, presented by MGM Grand Detroit, the king of sports books. Mike, who do you think it's going to be when the Lions and Colts take the field on Sunday? Well, I'm going to go back to what I think I said last week when I stacked up the black chips on this one. <laughs> Those are $100. The greens are 25s. Then we get down to the fives and the ones, and then, hey, lend me some money, okay, <laughs> the, to the greens on this one, the 25s. But I'll pick the Detroit Lions, 24-16. I just think that their offense will make up uh, for some defensive issues that they still have and, and, and until they're corrected. you know, We'll see. I think they will be. But I like the Lions in this game. They're playing at home. The one thing is home field advantage really doesn't exist this this season to any degree around the National Football League. And it hasn't existed for the Lions, unfortunately, for quite a while. They were 2-6 and six at home last year. They're already 0-2, so get win number three, uh, get win number one at home this year and get the 4-3 and three and, and, and continue on and make a run. So what you're telling me with your chips metaphor is that that's your prediction, but you're not putting too much weight behind it. I'm not, no, no, I'm not betting with my heart. I'm betting with my money. And I keep my money in a place that's not next to my heart. Got it. Got it. Makes a whole lot of sense. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the One Pridecast this week. Looking forward to seeing how that plays out on Sunday. This will certainly be a big game. And the Lions are actually going to be playing in front of a few friends and family on Sunday. So that will be a different atmosphere at Ford Field. I'm looking forward to that part. Oh, yeah, I am too. And you know what? The, it's not, you know, 63,000 or whatever at Ford Field. But you'd be amazed. You know, I think the fans would be surprised at how important it is for players to have their 
you know, their wives and, and mothers and you know, parents and kids and friends and all that in the, in the stadium. Now it might be just a, you know, several hundred, but, but they really, you know, that, that really is an inspiring thing for athletes. Even, you know, even if they get up in, in age, if they're, they're still in a way kids at heart and they enjoy having their support in the stands. Absolutely. That will definitely make for a more fun environment at the stadium on Sunday. Looking forward to seeing you there, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. All right, Tori. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk with you next week. This season, there are even more ways to get into the game thanks to Lions Bingo presented by BetMGM. Lion fans can play along for free all season long for the chance to win great prizes, including the grand prize each week of a weekend stay at an MGM Resorts location. Just download the Lions mobile app and register to play Lions Bingo each and every week. Play along during the game, and once you hit bingo, you score. Courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. Learn more and lock in your Lions Bingo board before kickoff by visiting the official Lions mobile app now.